So honestly, we could just hop right into this. And my my thought on this was that we were going to lead off with the Pistons, but we've talked about the Pistons so much over the last well, month. We'll have plenty of time after they lose to the Celtics tomorrow, or they they beat the Celtics tomorrow night. So to snap the streak, sure, that, that'll sure. be sure. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to happen. Sam Sam loves to have a historically good regular season basketball team that he acts like can lose to the worst team in NBA history because I've been conditioned. Reasons. I've been conditioned. Reasons. Yeah, I've been conditioned. I'm just going to say that I, they need to prove to me that they're actually good. So well, there's the, the there is a okay so. Piss, I see Piss in the comments saying, this is also how you sounded. Okay, do you want to know the difference? The Sixers played the Pistons twice. They played them back-to-back two times. And the difference is that when you play a team two times, you normally you can sleep through, walk through one of those games, especially if it's a bad team. If you're just randomly playing them, as we've learned from these last few games, is that people are really getting up for the Pistons because they don't want to be the team that loses. And the Nets just played the Pistons twice. And in the second game, even though they're a better team, they still almost lost. And I understand the Sixers and the Celtics are way better than the Nets. But my reasoning was more so that they played them back-to-back games. It was a home and away that they could slip up in one of the games or rest their guys in one of the games and lose that game. In a one-off game, when we're now talking about history, the Celtics are not losing. And honestly, they're probably going to end up resting a few guys and it probably still won't even matter because uh, it, it seems like the Pistons cannot beat literally anyone for in the NBA for uh, <laughs> the entire season outside of the first three games when they almost went 3-0 and to start the year. It's actually very similar to the first year of the Sixers process. They started that year 3-0 and and then later in the season, they lost 26 games in a row. So let's get into some other stuff that I want to talk about which was the other things that I had lined up. And I want to start up top. First off, if you haven't already signed up for the Patreon, sign up for the Patreon. Mm-hmm. You can watch the streams with us live on playback, blah, 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 all that bullshit. Links are in the description for that stuff. We get extra episodes and all that fun, <clears throat> fun stuff. Uh, but I want to talk about DeJounte Murray because he's someone that we've talked about a little bit on the podcast when we did our draft episode for the players that are most likely to be traded at the deadline. But now we have some actual firm slop, some mm-hmm. rumors that have come out over the past few days about DeJounte Murray, including, oh, the Lakers. Oh, the Lakers. I was going to say, this is real rigid slop. This is our, yeah. this, this might be our first like really firm slop of, Correct me if I'm wrong, but every other slop we've gotten has been like, oh, this guy's not available. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, or, or this it, team wants that guy to be available. Right. Exactly. This is our first like actual, okay, there's actual slop here. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting because doesn't Mur- the Murray move was this regime's move? Or are they like successfully blaming this on Schlank? Like, how are they? spinning this to their owners it's pretty interesting well we usually see this when slank first got fired from the hawks there was that leak and i don't know if it came from him or if it came from someone in the organization that slank was very against the Dejounte murray trade because he thought they were giving up too much Mm -hmm. and he didn't like the fit with trey young and it does feel like this was the new regime but also 
it kind of reminds me of the 2019-2026ers where I and honestly the Pistons what's happening with them right now where I feel like there are a lot of chefs in the kitchen. Mm, yeah. And I feel like because of that you probably have different ideologies, different ideas pulling and swaying. You have the owner's son is involved, as we've talked about a lot. Uh, Nick Ressler, who's the son of Tony Ressler. You have Landry Fields, who's currently in charge. But you also might just have a bunch of different ideas and people pulling and pushing. And my guess is what's happening here is Quinn Snyder was hired after the trade. And my mm -hmm. guess is that he also has some say. Part of the reason why he took the job was because he he would have some say over the roster. And my guess is that he's just like, look at the on-offs, watch the games. These two don't fit together. I know we gave up a bunch to get this, this guy, including our unprotected picks slash swaps in the 2025 draft, the 2026 draft, and the 2027 draft. But we have our pick this year. We can maybe take a step back to take a step forward when we don't have our picks and we need to find guys that fit better with Trey Young because my guess is that his pitch was basically he doesn't fit with Trey. Why are we trying to force something that clearly doesn't work? And right now it's a lot easier to trade him before his extension kicks in and he makes $30 million a year. And either that becomes a, an undesirable contract or it just becomes a harder contract to match. And with this new CBA, it's going to be a harder contract to trade. So they probably figured, let's get out ahead of it. Let's move off it, recoup some value while we still can get a better fit with Trey and see if we can get some of the younger guys that are on the roster, some more run and, and, and kind of try to fix things on the fly with Trey so that we can save ourselves before we have to give up all of our draft picks. I, I I mean I think that that's definitely it, and I bet you, I bet you're right that 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 the Quinn Snyder is the X factor because I'm, I'm like wondering that this is not usually usually teams don't make this kind of um, you know changing votes midstream direction. They usually ride or die with their um, you know decisions that they've made. So I, I that's why I I've been kind of thinking Trey Young was going to be the one to go this whole time because he was the inherited. Um, point guard and you know the the new regime has a lot more stake in the DeJounte Murray thing I think it's the right decision to move on from DeJounte Murray especially before his contract extension kicks in and he's going to be a lot not a lot harder to move but definitely harder to move than he is right now so um, especially when something I had forgotten about you have the John Collins TPE which is huge which can really help you kind of um do some interesting things. Just I to forgot start. about that too. It's what yeah. is that, like twenty million dollars, twenty three million dollars. So yeah. it's like that's a pretty sizable thing, and you know those contracts like match up. Because one of the reasons I thought about this was because I just did the the obvious trade, which is just D'Angelo Russell for Dejounte Murray, straight up. You know that money works as a trade, oh. and then you, what's the Lakers pick? Like, so you get so, one pick. Okay, yeah. so it's D'Angelo Russell for Dejounte Murray and a pick. Yeah. Also, Dan in the comments said Sam has never forgotten a TPE in his life. This, it's... this is the first time I've ever. Well, and, and they can do the fucking the, the Ponzi scheme because yeah. you refresh it when you trade DeJounte Murray. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're going to get sure. back the 19.8 or whatever it is. Uh, right. You could just take D-Lo into that trade right. exception and then you could just create, in perpetuity yeah, create just, a larger trade exception. Yeah, and you can do, and this is the tax ducking maneuver that the the broke ass Celtics did for you know, and for a the while. Hawks 
the Hawks are going to be in the tax next year with mm-hmm. this new DeJounte tra- uh, contract kicking in. So to get a guy like D'Angelo Russell, oh my God, Trey and D'Angelo Russell would be, that would be just a, parad- a paradise of, of of hoopers in Atlanta. Oh, it would be it would be absolutely terrible to uh, as a if a Hawks fan mm-hmm. perspective, the lack of defense and just I mean it's basically just a worse version of what you have right now. <laughs> yeah. With with you know Dilo will shoot more, but sometimes that's not the best thing in the world. But long story short, here I would imagine that is what the Lakers are offering. The Lakers are saying, "We'll take on Dejounte's contract. Mm-hmm. We'll give you a. We'll protect the pick that we have far year, all these years out. We're not giving you Austin Reeves. We're not giving mm-hmm. you any no. sort of interesting prospects on our team. Uh, we're just going to give you a contract that matches and a heavily protected pick, and we'll take a flyer on on Dejounte Murray. Having said that." I don't think I just don't think DeJounte fits with the Lakers. This is literally the same exact thing that you did with Russell Westbrook a few years ago. Now DeJounte's a better mid-range shooter, sure. DeJounte is a little bit longer. He has better tools. He's younger, obviously. But if you want to talk about a guy who's going to soak up a lot of on-ball possessions, who's going to not shoot off the catch, and if he does shoot off the catch, the the results have been kind of all over the place. A lot of people are pointing to the fact that he's shooting 35% off the catch this year. A week ago, we were shooting 31% off the catch. We're still at the point of the season where a good week of shooting can make your percentage jump by 5% if you don't take a ton of catch, catch and shoot threes. He takes three a game, which, look, you could say, well, he'll get more with LeBron. He's playing with Trey Young. Like, Trey is one of the best playmakers in the NBA and generates a ton of wide open threes for his teammates, even if he has other flaws in his game. So I I don't really buy that the fit is great. I've said time and time again, I think DeJounte is one of the more overrated defenders in the NBA. I think that his rep is much higher than the reality of his game. I think that uh, because when he was young, he was a role player who focused on those things and he does have good tools and he generates steals and blah, 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 that he can get a little bit overhyped on that. And I think he's, a slight negative or neutral defender at best, uh, maybe in a new environment where he has better defenders around him, it will look better. But I, I just, I hate the fit for the Lakers and I don't understand why you're going back to this formula that we know doesn't work. (laughs) We know the questionable shooter who's a ball handler that doesn't, work as a connective piece never works with LeBron and AD. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you why though, because they have to make a move like so at some point. That's, that's the reason the Lakers show up in all of these trades is because they like, they're the only, they're the team on the clock where they have LeBron James and it's it, LeBron James kind of runs that organization. You know, like if LeBron tells you to go get DeJounte Murray, you're going to go get DeJounte Murray, you know? Will it be good for the Lakers? No, I totally agree with your analysis. I don't think I don't think he, I don't think he fits in any way shape or form, but I think it is a relatively realistic trade just in terms of the Lakers don't care about the future at all, and that's the primary negative with trading for DeJounte Murray is his contract is long and 
It's not as expensive as I thought it was. It's like 25. It's a fine million. contract. I mean, yeah. it's a fine contract if you're worried about taking on money. I just don't like the money for the player. But right, most exactly. most people think higher of DeJounte than I do. Well, that's what I was gonna say. That, that's what makes this so hard is because I was I was trying to like look at trades, and I think you and I are feel pretty similarly about <laughs> Deshante Murray and that he's not very good. So it's like very hard for me to like project what other front offices are gonna like think of a player like that. Like if I were the Hawks, my first call, they will probably will not be say yes, would be to the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> and asking what cam johnson for dejounte like straight up they like, wouldn't do it we, and they wouldn't do it you know i i wouldn't do that if i were the Nets. you know but i also wonder you know what i'm saying i, I don't well, that's, know that's the yeah. bronx who's a nets fan is commenting where does dejounte fit is the question like what honest honest question it it is one of the more perplexing things to me if your goal is to win a playoff series where does dejounte murray fit because that's something that i've wondered for two or three years now when he was on the trade block last time when the Sixers were rumored for him in the Ben Simmons thing. I think that it's even hard for me because it's like he's having a career year as a shooter on pull-up attempts and catch and shoots. And he's still below league average true shooting efficiency. Yeah. Like it's, it's tough. And, and and some of that is he's had poor rim finishing to start the year. And I don't think that's going to be the case throughout the entire year. But some of that is also the fact that he is the player that he is. Now, if I really tried to like reimagine what DeJounte would be in like a perfect situation, it's it's hard for me to get there. But the only equivalent I can think of of a player who was to be clear, was better at role player tasks than DeJounte, but was in a situation where he didn't really look like a quote-unquote winning player. He was someone who kind of was a raw athletic guy who had some basketball skill, but didn't really, uh, on his current like context, didn't really fit with what they needed. And that was Aaron Gordon on the Orlando magic who goes to a perfect situation with Nikola Jokic and the nuggets. And he gets, you know, completely elevated. Now could Aaron Gordon or could DeJounte Murray even become that kind of player? I'm a little bit of a skeptic on that because I don't think that even if the quality of looks go up for him, that the efficiency is going to skyrocket. Um, as a secondary ball handler and playmaker, it's somewhat it's something he would have to buy into, and I'm not sure he wants to. Like I think that he probably views himself as an all-star level player because he's made an all-star team before, and he would rather do what he's doing in Atlanta or maybe if he went to Chicago or a team that's trying to fight for a play-in spot, a play-in berth, he would prefer to do that Toronto, wherever, as opposed to being the third option on a team like the Sixers or the Lakers or something like that. I think, you know, again, I, I think that the Raptors, for that reason, the Raptors were the other team I kind of came up with. You know, I'm looking for these teams that kind of lack um, that, well, I traditionally lacked high usage guys. But then I keep forgetting Toronto, Scotty Barnes is good now. So they yeah. don't really have that problem anymore that the, the Raptors had forever where they didn't have like a true number one option. You know what I'm saying? Like Scott, Scotty's not like hyper great at like, everything but he's doing a pretty fucking good job for a third year player and there's no reason to kind of fuck that up like even if you're 
Masai who loves fucking long players and you're looking at Deshante Murray's 6'10 wingspan on a 6'5 guy, you know, like, yeah, I could sure. see him like being, but you know, the Raptors do have a lot of guys that fit in that price range. You know, you have Pirtle, um, Gary Trent, Siakam, um, who they've been interested in if you want to go and add to the trade. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's funny, the the teams that could use a guy like Deshante Murray are like the Spurs, <laughs> like, like are, or like these other bad teams, like the Wizards, uh, pe- people in the comments have seen people say the Hornets, you know, yeah, those teams are their bad, could use Deshante Murray because they don't have a, a better, like, primary uh, I don't even want to really want to say creator with Deshante Murray. It's kind of like yeah. just a, a guy who cooks, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah. I, that's something that people have asked me. They were like, if the Sixers were interested, would you be able to talk yourself into it? Because they know that I just don't like Dejounte in general as a player. Mm-hmm. But the way that I said, like the way that I would cope with it, if they really were interested, because the thing that really scares me, uh, the fact that he is available is the Sixers keep saying they want an extra ball handler and they want two way players. And I'm like, shit <laughs> like, like that, that <laughs> kind no. of fits the idea yeah. of what Dejounte is it's like he can mm-hmm. handle the ball he can create his own shot he can you know uh he, he can at least score from the mid-range against a set defense I just think that when you're trying to build around Joel Embiid it is such a hard needle to thread if you get a guy who is a heavy mid-range guy yeah. and you would prefer to have your second and third best players be proficient three-point shooters and guys who can really defend point of attack. You know, DeJounte's had some success doing that, and he's also struggled. Um, especially this year, he's had some some games where he's really struggled as a, as a point of attack defender. And the, the reason why I say that is because on the other end of the court, you're running a drop defense and anyone you want, you want them to be able to navigate and get over screens. You want them to be able to contest three point shots from behind and force guys into the mid range so that Joel has a better shot at contesting them. And I just don't really think DeJounte's skill set fits that at all. I, 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 the more that I think about it, the more I don't like that fit. I'd ever have, but the way that I would sell myself on it is like when you get to the playoffs, and the defense takes everything away. The defense yeah. takes all of your actions. The two-man game with Maxi and Embiid, when uh, you know they figure out all your plays, you need a guy who can literally just go get a bucket. DeJounte will be able to do that for you. I, I definitely think that fit with Tobias is especially clunky. But um, DeJounte is someone who can, against a set defense in the playoffs, as we saw sometimes during the Celtics series last year, he can get you a bucket. And he can at least, against a set defense, get his own. And that itself does have value. It's just how how does he fit with other stars? And there are just so few guys that he really does fit with. Like, he doesn't seem like a Warriors guy to me. I know there's someone that they're going to be looking for extra shot creation. But, like, kind of with, like, pods playing the way that he has recently for them and everything kind of flowing, Clay finally starting to hit shots, I really don't see that being a reality of of what they want to do so i i i still struggle the other team that was mentioned with dejounte was the knicks and i'm like i just i can't i i I think that's a worse fit than the lakers that's really gross yeah Yeah. like that's bad like because he doesn't do 
like, like who are you giving up for him you know what i'm saying like you know like as much as we like shit on barrett at least barrett isn't like terribly high usage you know what i'm saying like, like yeah. he, he at least like lets your other guys cook you know and exactly randall for as big as bad as randall can be he does go through these phases of like being like a, a literal all nba player which like Dejounte has never done so like <laughs> I'm laughing at the comments from a Knicks fan that says, I will kill myself in front of DeJounte Murray if he gets traded to the Knicks, changing the course of his life forever. forever. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I tell you the answer to this, by the way? The, 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 team, the team that I think could make Don't say it. shape DeJounte Murray into something usable. I'm just saying, Duncan Robinson in here are like an exact no. contract match. No, I I I think that that's a horrible fit too. Think about the the problem with Dejounte is that he fits with no stars, because mm-hmm. every star in the NBA wants to cook in the mid range, and that's Dejounte's best skill. It's like even if I think about like the rosiest, most like high upside version of what Dejounte could be on the Sixers. The reason that I would want him is because, like I said, you can dump the ball to him and he can go get a bucket. He can run some secondary side actions. He can prob when Embiid's off the court, him and Maxi can probably work well off of each other because Maxi is someone that needs someone to generate more open threes for him. He's only shooting three. He's the best catch and shoot player in the NBA this year, Tyrese Maxi, <laughs> and he only shoots three a game because there's just not enough guys to create open shots for him. Who are you laughing at? I, I'm I'm laughing at I just realized what the shot chart team is because I was like, okay, well, then we need a team that's exclusively at the rim or shooting. It's three. just the Celtics. Well, okay, it is the Celtics, but it's all it's also the Milwaukee Bucks, which would be yeah. very funny and gross. Yeah, like, I, I don't can see you imagine that. that imagine that backcourt. Like <laughs> the, the damn DeJounte Murray backcourt. Like an even worse fit than the Trey. <laughs> I was gonna say he doesn't fit with Giannis because he can't like it's yeah. it, it, it it's just so yeah. it's so difficult for me to imagine a situation where DeJounte fits on a good team that wants to contend. If there are mid-tier playoff teams and lower tier teams that are fighting to get into the plan. Sure, he might be able to fit fit himself into a situation. I just like I I always have a hard time with these guys who are not willing shooters off the catch. And if they are willing shooters, they're not hyper efficient ones. And like I said, I, the rosiest version of Dejounte in my mind is on a team where he's the second guy, or 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 like the situation where he was with the Spurs a few years ago, where they were not good, but he was he had the ball a ton. And I I just don't. I don't see a team like it, it's hard for me yeah. to really picture it, which is why I think if the Lakers or Knicks are interested, the, the Hawks should definitely try to, because it's only going to get harder to trade him from this point out. Well, so, so that, that would be the thing, right? Is that you, you're, you're betting. Can he like turn it around? You know what I'm saying? Cause I do think that there is like enough of a, um, he is so toolsy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like I, I do think that like, he's one of those guys where it's like really tantalizing where if like you could get him to play, if you could get buy-in from him to play a certain way, I could see mm-hmm. him becoming like value. Cause he's not, you know, he's, he's never been like a good shooter. This is so far. This has been his best three point shooting year ever where he's yeah. 37% on six attempts a game. And that's like playing with like, again, as we've said, playing with Trey young, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's probably not going to get, it's probably not going to get too much better than that. Do you want to guess who, 
like, do you want to guess how? <laughs> I'm just going to say, it. I'm looking at him and Duncan Robinson, like straight up, that's like a pretty fair trade <laughs> just in terms of like warp. <laughs> like, 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 and that's pretty alarming because I think those are two guys who are like very different. Like if you ask you the perception better... of player, the, the yeah, perception exactly. of the player versus the reality of the player. Yeah. Right. And that's always been my thing with DeJounte is that I think that I can never figure out a good team that he fits on because of the fact that he has all of these things. But then like, and like, he's not an offensive engine either. Honestly, I, I kind of think that what, uh, babyface Jay is saying in the comments is the best one I can think of so far. I think Utah would probably be the best fit for him. Hmm. Uh, Now they were interested in drew holiday. Um, Drew is a better player than DeJounte, but I think that if you're interested in a theoretical defensive guard, even though Drew's actually good on defense and DeJounte is theoretically good on defense, um, and you're looking for a pseudo lead guard that can, you know, at least run some offense, DeJounte with that spacing and that system, anytime I look at guys that are in Utah or in Boston, it just feels like a little bit of a cheat code to me for their offensive stats. Like they're always, they always get a little boost. Probably the Pacers would be another team where that's the case yeah. now, just because the spacing is so into the, all those teams play bigs who can shoot a lot and they shoot a ton of threes and they give their guys a lot of space to operate. That might be a situation where DeJounte can actually be really effective. And honestly, it's a move that, that, wouldn't shock me if Danny Ainge were like, let's get this guy and then try to do what we did with John Collins, but hopefully we're successful this time. <laughs> well, that's just, what I, yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's like, you've got guys, you've got, the thing is like, you've got to at least send out one of John Collins or Colin Sexton in the trade. Yeah. Right. And like Kelly Olinick Celtics interested in I Kelly Olinick making a three teamer. I, I I mean, I would love that, but I, I, I just don't understand why. Well, you I guess that defeat, if you're not sending those guys out, like why also defeats the purpose of what I just said, because they wouldn't right. have a spacing big anymore. Right. So, so like, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I honestly don't really see the jazz fit just because like they already have all of these guys who cook, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you, why would you want, and you've got Keontae George coming off the bench. Who's like going to be the, the, yeah. he's like the heir apparent, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I wouldn't fuck that up. So look, why, why would you trade for it? I don't know, man. Like his, we, I feel like we get ourselves into this all the time where we, where we end up talking about these guards who aren't like one of like the three best guards in the league. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, on a championship team, they're probably like best suited to being a six man on the bench. You know, it's just kind of what it is. If you're not Derek white or, or like a player like that, who's like an ultra role player, if you're a high usage guy who like can't shoot, like, you just don't really have a, a right. role on like a good team. Like, but when we talk about guys that are actual all stars, like Trey Young, not every team cares about winning a championship. And you can like Trey's going to give you a top five offense, wherever or top ten offense or whatever, wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. And that is where Dejounte is a hard guy to see fit because he doesn't do a lot of the things that normally a second or third guy does and also he doesn't give you a good offense (laughs) at all it's not like it's not one of those situations where it's like okay he's easily uh like a portable player from team to team and uh someone like 
like Trey isn't either, but Trey at least gives you a baseline level of competency that if your goal is to make it to the playoffs, Trey's going to help you get there. And that's not something that DeJounte can do for a lot of teams. You know, I mean, look, maybe there's a team that's willing to take a flyer on him. Uh, I, I don't even think they're going to get like an Austin Reeves back. I think it's going to be mainly like if the Sixers were interested, I think the Sixers would say, we'll take the contract off your hands. Here's some expiring contracts and some exactly. yeah. uh, maybe our shitty first that we get that we got in the Harden trade. But I don't think it's going to be like equivalent value back uh, that they that they gave up for the guy in the first place. And that's that's what's tough is you're not recouping value. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, like you really you're hurting your team, you, you know, like you're really just clearing space, which I honestly is probably worth it in the short term because that your team would be better. But like it's going to be yeah, it's going to need to be something like Fox himself where you're taking back like another bad contract was just a guy who can shoot better and doesn't mind like, he, he, you know hurting as much and it's got to be a guy who's kind of on his way out the door in terms of like his career you know what i'm saying it's not gonna be a guy with upside you know it's yeah he suggested hayward for uh and you would even have to add contracts to that if you're atlanta because hayward makes like 30 million so um the one last Dejounte trade i, I want to talk about and this is a this is a challenge trade house let's go levine Levine for DeJounte and you would have to add in like DeAndre Hunter too, I believe. Yeah. Honestly, he stinks too. So like, if <laughs> I were running the Hawks, I would be like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sure. Absolutely. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Like that, I would do that if I were the Hawks. I'm like not kidding. Uh okay. So you're getting DeAndre, you're sending, and then you're getting back Levine. I would consider it because I just don't think DeAndre Hunter is ever going to be worth that contract but at the same time it's it's a hard sell to and maybe the fans just don't care but it is a hard sell to the fans to be like okay so we got rid of in the last in the last six months we have salary dumped three guys on the team and we've taken on zach levine who no one in the nba wanted this contract but in reality like i mean if your goal is to save money, that's not a real trade. If your goal is to try to still remain competitive, at least Zach shoots threes. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like, like, I'm just trying to look at the positives there. Like, I, I don't see DeJounte's fit with, especially if they keep DeMar and Caruso, I don't see his fit at all on the Bulls. Once again, it's the same thing. We already saw DeJounte and DeMar together on the Spurs, and... They were mid. They were the ten seed, but maybe that's what the Bulls want. Like, like that. That's that's a situation where I just I I don't know. I think once again you're having too many cooks in the kitchen, and yeah. it's too much. And I see someone saying the Murray for CJ McCollum challenge trade. I just I, how is Dejounte going to work on a team with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson? You can't build a team around three guys that love to live in inside the paint. Like that's just the reality of the modern NBA. Yeah, it's it, the. That's that's like the main problem with the Hawks is they just don't have enough shooting and then the guys that you would want to like trade to move on to like like you can't trade Bogdan Bogdanovich because he is like the pillar holding up your shooting is like him and Jalen Johnson. Well, you and can then, trade him to the Sixers if you if you would like cuz I would like that very much. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but then it's like the other guys you're left with are guys like DeJounte Murray and like 
I, I don't know. I keep seeing everyone talking about fucking Clint Capella, like as like a trade ship. I and have like, him written down here. Okay, like where? Who's trading for Clint Capella? Tell me the team because right, I have a list. Because we, right. we tried to figure this out all day. Did you see my tweet about this? No, I didn't. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Uh, it's okay. so funny you say this because it's okay. exactly what I said. Okay. I tried to do this exercise earlier today, okay. and I tweeted and I said, "I said, you want a fun exercise? Find a single team that would give up real value for Clint Capella. He's still pretty go. good, but no teams need a starting center, and the ones who might pr uh, probably wouldn't be willing to give up the contracts, picks, or prospects to make a trade work. And yeah. so these were the teams that after that tweet that. I thought were reasonable mm -hmm. the Knicks because Mitchell Robinson's out for the rest of the year. And if they really want to compete, they have the Evan Fournier expiring contract right, and a right. bunch of Mickey first round picks that they can yeah. send out that like yeah. probably aren't going to be first. And even if they are first, they're like the 17th pick in the draft or something at best. Yeah. Um. So the Knicks, the other team was the Grizzlies, which I actually, okay. because Steven Adams is out for this year. He has one year left on his deal. Yeah. And you, the, the trade that someone proposed to me was a protected first uh, that's a few years out, a protected first, Steven Adams and Zaire Williams, who has not really worked out, but you just take a flyer on Zaire. Steven Adams makes the money work. If he can be healthy next year, then Grady can play for you. If not, whatever, he's just to make the money work. And you really just want the first round pick for Clint Capella back. And Clint on the Grizz is very interesting to me on like yeah. just from a team fit perspective. And I guess he That's would be more, he would be interesting on the Knicks too, but that would only be for this year. And then what happens when Mitchell Robinson comes back and all that? Like, I think the Grizz are probably cause the Grizz now are four and a half games out of the plan. Okay. They've turned their season around. John Morant, they're four and oh with him. They're probably at worst going to make the plan. If they make a run here, they might be able to get up to one of those playoff spots. It's a long uphill battle, but they might be able to go on a streak and get there. And then, like, he's that's a great fit with JJJ. It's a great fit with Ja. And their defense, like, they need a guy who can rebound and protect the rim and set screens and do what Clint Capella does. Yeah, that's, that's a, the best that's, one. That's a pretty good fit. Did you. Did anyone suggest the Warriors to you? No, but I, I, the way that Trace Jackson Davis has been playing recently for the Warriors makes me think that they're not going to acquire a center. I think that they're, that's, I mean, it's so funny because I went back and I listened to our draft post draft podcast. And my two favorite picks and two of the favorite picks of all of us that we discussed were Pods and Trace Jackson Davis <laughs> on, on there. I was like, it's unbelievable that that both of those guys are, are instant contributors who could have saw this coming. Yeah. But um, but Trace, the way Trace Jackson Davis has been playing for them and the way that they have kind of found a stride recently with the young guys playing i think they'll probably lean more into that and look for i see i think i don't think they would be they would actually be interested in like Dejounte or levine but i think mm -hmm. if they acquire a player it would be more of that archetype of player like a guy who could score man i mean i i feel like that's leading the wrong way just by the way a quick aside um draymond fits perfectly into the fucking <laughs> Oh God, Raymond <laughs> and Trey, Traymond, Trayvon. I'm just saying, Tra Traymond Green Young. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Traymond. That I, I think that would be very funny, and uh, that wouldn't happen in season. I thought. I think that'd be a very interesting thing to like 
circle back to next year because yeah. I think he still fits next year. Maybe, maybe unless I'm getting that wrong, but um, oh geez, Clint Capella that, to Memphis, Stephen Adams contract to OKC, Zaire Williams, Davis Bertans, and picks to Atlanta. I mean, if if one, if Presty wants to go super perverted uh, and just take on Steven Adams' contract uh, and then have him play next year. But I, I think that they're just going to continue to roll with the young guys. Like, I don't think they have interest in that would, reunion. Would the, would the Thunder not just want to go snag Capella, like, for Bertans and, like, a pick just to, like... I don't think they would play have him a, Have a size thing. I, I mean, you could have think of the fucking rim protection you could have out there with Clint and Chet, and Chet yeah. is still going to space for you. You know what I'm saying? Like Chet weak side, Chet in the Rob Williams like weak side blocking, like mm-hmm. that moves me. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think I don't think it's crazy to think about them. I don't, th- I don't think it would fuck up their spacing that bad. Like to be totally honest, yeah. Like it wouldn't be as good necessarily, but you just it means you play less Dort and you play more. Casey Wallace, which I think is a good thing, to be honest. Like I play less definitely play less giddy, uh, which you should yeah. be doing anyway. Right. But the the uh, the one thing I will say about that is that yeah. I think that I know they're very committed to this chet at the five thing, and it's it's actually worked really well for them. They beat another big yeah. team in Minnesota last night. They beat the Nuggets earlier in the season. They hung with the Sixers. Like even against the matchups that are supposed to be the worst matchups in the NBA for that, it's been fine. I do think over the course of a seven game series, it wouldn't hurt to have one of those guys who has a little bit more size only, only due to the fact that you want to keep Chet out of foul trouble. Even exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. like if, if you want to try to, like you said, keep Chet in that Rob Williams role where he could be more of a roamer. He doesn't have to worry about banging in the post. That's an interesting idea. We'll see. They're so, they seem so pot committed to fucking having shooting at all times, except for Giddy for some reason on the court that I would have a hard time seeing them going after either of those guys. But We'll see. Maybe I, I don't know. If anything, it might just be nice to ha- to keep the salary slot because you're probably going to lose Bertans, uh, either after the season if you don't want to pay him, or if if they're if you're not ready to make your move, Adams and Capella are, have like a year and a half left on their deals. I think so. That's where you're like, all right, we get an extra, we get an extra salary to trade this off season or next year with all these picks and we can keep our options open. Basically you're always just keeping the options open there. That would be why I would be consider that if I were the thunder, but I don't know. I I, th- I think they should make a bigger move. I think they should. This team's so good. Like, I think that it would be a missed opportunity to not try to make like a really big splash, yeah. but maybe Clint Capella is, they view that as like, we already have our core guys in place and he's good enough to play 25 minutes in a playoff series. So that's really all we need. Well, and that's what I'm saying. And it's not like you have so many fucking picks. You know, you're like literally they're going to go to waste. You you can't roster all these guys. You know, mm-hmm. like, like so just, you know, throw throw Atlanta a couple. You know what I'm saying? Like they have a Kongu and like you raise your ceiling for the playoffs. I think it's good. It's good to get your guys deeper in the playoffs earlier, especially when you have a young core. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if it's not going to like break the bank, you know, we're not talking about making a Rudy Gobert trade. You know, it, it's talking about like, one or two firsts, um, you already have the Bertans contract. Who fucking cares? You know, you don't even really need to play Capella. You know what I'm saying? Like, you 
you already, as you pointed out, you already play Giddy, who doesn't really shoot. You know what I'm saying? It really doesn't change your team that much. Like, yeah, I, I and Capella is going to do way more traditional center things that every basically every team has that is playing in the playoffs. How about how about giving Shea a fucking real screener? You know what I'm saying? I, honestly, I like a lot of teams. Like, if you want someone to come back, that's why. I thought Steven Adams is so good for the Grizzlies is guys like that who can fucking screen and well, and also do moving screens without getting called for it. That's like the number one skill in the NBA, like for a big man. I think that is I, not to sound like David Locke, but like it, it really is like the, the, one of the most important fucking like big things that nobody talks about. Like that's why I am. So I'm true bro, dude. This is locked on slop where we bring you slop every day, hot and fresh. By the way, all of you piggies are in jail right now that Trill and I did not get nominated for best sports broadcast and two locked on podcasts got nominated. This is yeah. You guys you need to do better next year. You guys need to do better next year. Locked. So I'm guessing it was locked on 76ers was the first one with keep on pay. That was definitely the number one one. It was a, the most pro 9-11, most memories of 9-11 in a sports podcast, which exactly. I honestly think we, you know, we're we probably the best Philadelphia-based podcast. That we're not holding down the number two 9-11 yep. Philadelphia-based pod for that. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're rising up the ranks in the 9-11-based Philadelphia podcast. Uh, so Sorry. We, we, we respect you, though. We know you're the king. We would never step on your toes like that. Of course. So. Of course no. not. Yeah, respect the god. Yeah. Uh, the last team that someone suggested for Clint Capella was if they wanted to move AD to the four again, and they and you did they did Clint Capella and Dejounte, but then I'm like, you're just you're really fucking up your spacing. Like I, that's like a no go for me. You, if you watch that Celtics game on Christmas, the Celtics Lakers game. It was just from the jump. The Celtics were like, oh, cool. You're going to play two non-shooters, basically. Great. We're not going to defend them at all. We'll camp out in the lane. And LeBron and AD will have to create all of their offense uh, inside. And uh, it will create incredibly inefficient offense. And getting another traditional center and a non-three-point shooting guard like DeJounte just makes no sense for me for the Lakers, but they're the Lakers. They do a lot of stupid things all the time. So maybe they would be interested in something like that. I don't know. Um, so next topic of conversation, and this is something that has been brought up a lot over the last few days, which is the Phoenix Suns are, uh, <coughs> they're good. Everything's fine. <laughs> They're doing awesome. Um, it's really good. Our boy um, KD, his legacy is perfectly intact. Um, everyone loves him, top 12 NBA player. Um, and it's it's going great. Yep. It can only go up from here. Yeah. Um, shout out to Pagberg for bringing back the Devin Booker in a Orlando Magic jersey. <laughs> Chops. We're back no, at that point of view. No reason to uh to rewrite history and say that Kevin Durant, you actually can't build a contender around Kevin Durant. That was my favorite tweet. And I was like, yeah, Kevin Durant famously never been the best player on a contender before. No, do, do we under does the word contender have no meaning anymore? Does contender just mean I, you I, have won a championship solely I, with that guy? Here's here's the thing. If you've won multiple finals MVPs, I think that goes out the window. 
I, I, I just right, even I think if, that goes out the window. Even if even if I give give that point away because it was the Steph Warriors and like he had the easiest role of all time. They made it to the finals <laughs> with the Thunder and they made it back to the conference finals and almost beat the Warriors. In, yeah. took them to seven games like they they blew a 3-1 lead like was that team not a contender did i did i imagine two years ago the nba champion milwaukee bucks getting taken to seven games by kevin durant with a hobbled james harden and no kyrie irving for most of the series and putting yep. the team on his back and almost getting them back to the conference finals which they certainly would have won against the atlanta hawks and then they probably would have won the finals against the Suns. Maybe, maybe yeah. they don't. But if you make it to the conference finals as the best player or the finals as the best player, and you have another opportunity where you get deep into round two against the team that eventually wins the championship, you're a contender. <laughs> what, yeah. Well, what are, what are we talking about? Like, look, I understand that, yeah, maybe historically Kevin Durant is a little bit overrated as a pure number one, one A, surefire best player on a championship team. He also played during the Steph Curry and LeBron James era where they dominated championships for yeah. like a decade at his peak. So it's hard for me to really say whether, uh, you know, you could build a contender around Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah. If he, if he uh, rose to prominence during the, like, let's say Kobe Bryant era, he, he would have uh, be a very different story. Let me just say that. <laughs> Snuck he, in. If, if his peak is probably... Five to ten years earlier, he almost certainly wins a championship on as the best player on a team. Or now, like now, it feels like they're rewriting things based on who he currently is as a player. Because this is not who he always was as a player. Like he's 34, 35 years old. <laughs> that's the thing that's driving me insane. He's he's 35, man. He's so old. Like, what are you talking about? Like, like the fact that you expect this from him, I mean, that's on the Suns. I'm sorry, that's on the Suns that you traded all of that for Kevin Durant. I mean, we said it. We said it's still Kevin Durant, you know, but you also do have to understand that this is a guy who doesn't play a lot of games each year. Like, and you especially trying to put him on a team that is not very deep. I do just want to say, people in the comments, there might have been some people here that were yelling at me at Slotfest, who was like, this is a lot. <laughs> and they were like, yeah. it's Kevin Durant, who cares? And then I'm like, they have no other moves to make. And by the way, they did have another move to make, and it is turning out to be worse. the worst move maybe in the history of the NBA if Bradley Beal is never able to get right. And it's not to say that I still think on its face that trade in a vacuum is fine because you weren't getting anything good for Chris Paul anyway. But the reality of the situation was it was always a very big risk because of Bradley Beal's contract. And because the fact that he's basically a worse version of Devin Booker, like, like he's a good player, but he's also just a slightly, you know, I would say not even slightly, a, a, a decently worse version of the best player on your team that isn't the cleanest fit in the world. If he can get healthy and they can kind of fix this thing and figure it out on the fly, sure, maybe they could turn their season around. And, and you know, look, we've seen that teams have bad starts to seasons and figure it out over the course of a season. The vibes are so bad there right now, though. It's not like teams before. Like the Sixers had this last year, 
And the team, the vibes never felt bad. It was just like, we're losing close games, whatever. The Celtics had it a few years ago. They end up making a run to the NBA finals. But I kind of am at the point where if you're referencing that Celtics team from two years ago and it's December, you're probably already cooked because I see fans already doing that for the Suns. And it's just a really, really uphill battle in order to turn your season around away in that way. They're not even the best team in the West with the 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 most upside in terms of turning their season around. They're not even the the the, the best team in the bottom half of the West that I would pick to surge into the 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 top half of the or the bottom half of the playoff picture. Like they're old. Would you say Grizzlies or Warriors? I'd say Grizzlies. <laughs> I think the Grizzlies have the best chance because they they also just need to make one move for a big like yeah they the Clint Capella move something like that would be they would they would suddenly be cooking like healthy Marcus Smart like they they've got a lot I, I like the Grizzlies I, I like the Grizzlies turning it around here and coming it together they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna fix it um <laughs> it's fine um the other thing is like who's if KD is sulking on that team. So who who speak it up and say something about that? You've got Brad Beal who like literally cannot play. Like yeah. l- 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 has played what two games all year, one something like that. Like you have uh, it's Booker who's uh, you know on Warzone and I don't know the you can do all the Devin Booker stuff. He's a great player. He's probably got about the same amount of cachet right now in the NBA as Kevin Durant. And then you, the next guy is uh, Grayson Allen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's all guys who like don't have like a, a place in the league. Like that's a that's a bad team to have bad vibes. Like yeah. didn't was it, it's Frank Vogel their coach? First year head coach Frank Vogel, who Vogel. by the way, Will pointed this out. <laughs> Defensive head coach. Frank Vogel, by the way. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude. And then you immediately were like, okay, we're going to hire Frank Vogel and then trade for Bradley Beal like, and put only offensive role players around. Like, they have Grayson Allen, offensive role player. Eric Gordon, at this point in his career, is now just primarily an offensive role player. Like, they don't have the two-way talent around these guys. To And, and part of that is due to the fact that they took on the Bradley Beal contract they they brought in Nurkic and Grayson Allen in that trade, and I don't even really think they miss Aiton all that much, to be completely honest with you. But they made those two moves, and they said, we're going to try to nail the rest with minimums. And when they signed those minimum guys, I was like, I think these are all perfectly fine minimum flyers for what they need. And just to try to find guys who are fourth and fifth guys in lineups to make them gel, make them work. Now they don't have enough shooting and they don't have enough defense. I don't really know how we're in 2023 going into 2024. And we talked about this with the Pistons last week that like you devalue shooting. And then when you do have shooters, they're only shooters. Like that's all they can possibly do. I don't know how we haven't moved past like this kind of way to build your team but the reality is they just had no resources to do it like they took as many flyers as they possibly could and 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 the whole big picture thing with this Beal trade is not just that it's the fact that they went even further into going all in on this team by doing something that at the time me and you both said this is insanely stupid by trading So what they did was they did these pick swap trades that we talked about, which I don't think many people are talking about right now. 
and how bad of a disaster this could be. Do you know what their pick swap for this year is? Um, so no, they pick swap. They pick swap with the Wizards. Which fine. Who cares? The Wizards are the worst. One of the worst teams right. in the NBA. That doesn't matter. But then they pick swapped again with the Grizzlies. So oh. they have the worst of those three teams' first round pick this year. So they actually. Now that the Grizzlies are catching up to them in the standings, I think they're three games back from them in the standings. If the Grizzlies go on a run and they pass the Suns, which seems somewhat likely now, I mean, yeah, and, they're, they're five games back right yeah, now. No, I think they're in the loss column, maybe. But if you look at like yeah. how many games back they actually are from the Suns, I think it's three and a half. And and so you like you have like they're about to catch them, so they can't tank. Because they would swap that pick with the Grizzlies, which is currently in the lottery. And they did this three different years, dude. So they have this year that they did that, where they get the worst of the three picks. They did that another year with Washington. Um, I'm sorry, Orlando, 2026. They Okay, so it's top 13 protect, protected this year. So that that part is good, at least. But still, they have a pick a few years out in 2026 to the Magic where they did the same thing where it's the worst of the Wizards, the Magic, and the Suns for second-round picks. And that could end up being a decent pick. Maybe that one's protected as well. But long story short here, they basically acquired all these second-round picks and they don't have salaries to trade. That's what I never got about this whole process, about them going out and swapping these swaps <laughs> to get seconds yeah. and then to turn around and then say, okay, but we can't trade these seconds for players because we only have minimum contracts. And then a bunch of contracts that we either can't move like Devin Booker or Kevin Durant. And then one that's massive that has a no trade clause on it, like Bradley Beal or Nurkic. Like there's just no trades they can do that would make them better this season. Like that it basically doesn't exist. They, 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 I, so I looked this up on the, on the trade machine. They literally have five tradable picks and they're all second rounders mm -hmm. that they got from other teams. Yep. And they, in those trades. Yes. And they all have like weird protections on them. Like the Celtics one is protected 31 to 45 that they own. <laughs> and like they have like a, a 31 to 54 Spurs second round pick that's like fake yeah, so yeah. that's not real you yeah. you just need some like you said before you need something to trade in a trade they, so they, they literally have nothing like like, yeah. like there's like a literally like two second round picks that suck and are like 2026 that are left so and also i do just want to point out that not only are those picks fake but they even if they add up a bunch of salary they have to do it now because yeah. they're so deep into the tax, they can't even aggregate salary after this season. So if you want to make that move, like a guy that I thought of for them, which does not really fix their problems, but is someone they've been interested in in the past, is Jalen McDaniels, who has been a disaster on the Raptors. They could probably trade two minimum contracts and a second round pick for Jalen McDaniels and just take a flyer on him, see if he can fit as a fourth or fifth guy in some lineups, whatever. But still... That has to be done now because they're going to be so deep in the text. They're probably, they're very likely to not have a lottery pick for the next, other than this year's top 13 protected. But they traded so many unprotected picks and, and double swaps and all this shit 
they're very likely to not have a tra- a, a, a high uh, draft pick if they don't get one this year until like 2031. Yeah. No, it's like literally years. And by the way, Bradley Beal is still under contract for three more years after this one at uh, ending ending at $57 million. It's a player option, but to quote the great Ryan Rosillo, I think he's, he's going to pick that one up. One up. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is like, it, it's insane. And I, I think all of this comes back to, and everyone was shitting on KD and blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. I forgot. He, this is no trade clause too. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. You can't, you can't even trade you. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. He can decline any trade that he doesn't like. <laughs> That's why people were like, oh, could, could the Hawks do DeJounte and Clint Capella or could they do DeJounte and Hunter? And I'm like, no, Beal will just say no. Cause he won't want to go to Atlanta. So. I'm going to say, I'm going to bring up, I'm going to bring up the Q question that I posed in the thing. I actually stole it from Brian from the the chat. And I love this question. What's the worst trade? The Suns trading for KD, given that everything that precipitated off of it, or the Wolves trade for Rudy Gobert? (laughs) Well, a year ago, we were sitting here saying, are are they fucked? And I think my conclusion on that was... Yeah, they're probably fucked, but the fact that Ant and McDaniels are as good as they are, and the fact that Minnesota has never won anything and they just wanted to compete, that in the long run, who really cares? The Wolves are now the one seed and are rising as a team collectively, and all of those picks they gave up seemed like they were going to be a lot worse a year ago than they are right now. So if you're a Suns fan, you can say, well, look, they seem fucked. And they figured it out. The downside, if you're the Suns, is this Bradley Beal contract is so big, it gives you no flexibility or maneuverability. And the Kevin Durant thing on top of that is that Kevin Durant is 35. (laughs) Like, Rudy Gobert at the time was 30 or 31, I believe. Yeah. Um, And by all means, should be a good player for the next three or four years. I know Kevin Durant because of his size, his skill, his touch, all that stuff. He should age fairly well, but he does have a lot of injury concerns. And also, all this all this keeps leading me back to is, you did this when Devin Booker was in the middle of his prime, and I understood why you did it. Mm-hmm. But Anthony Edwards, when they made that trade, was like 21. Uh, the reason why I didn't love it was because I thought Ant was yes. too young. Yes. You, you have him for at least five more years under contract. And... If if not longer, and with Anthony with Devin Booker, like we're now staring down the barrel of a Devin Booker trade request in the next year or two if this shit doesn't get fixed, and that's why add on top of the fact that they have virtually zero picks, the only way that they could restock their cupboard is to trade Devin Booker eventually. And at the time we said it was Carl Anthony Towns for the Wolves, but Devin Booker obviously would have a lot more trade value, but you. You don't have you don't control your own future and like this thing can implode very very quickly so well and this is why i want to this is what i wanted to go back to is that like we said i think it, maybe not last show but two shows ago where i was talking about like i forget what we were talking about i was like well these players don't become available very often like how often do you get a chance to trade for a a top seven guy in the nba and it's like and I, I said like well but that always happens like there always is a guy yes. that we're not thinking of right now where something gets bad in a hurry 
I think I said like Luka Doncic, you know what I'm saying? As like, as like an example, but it looks like Devin Booker is going to be available in the next two years. Like if I, I would bet money that that is going to be on the table. Like, and he's going to have, there's going to be a lot of options and the Suns are going to have to try to like pivot their front office and try to recoup a lot of these picks. And like, you know, he's going to end up on like the thunder or something like that. And that's going to be like, I've very heard, I've heard yeah. people say that. I really think it's going to be, I really think it's going to be a team that is, whether it's like the Knicks or the Nets or one of these big market teams, the heat, whatever, maybe also like who's Devin Booker friends with around the league that like he might want to team up with like KD has done so many times. I I've seen people say the thunder, but I don't really think that Booker even is like, I don't look, Devin Booker is one of the best players in the NBA. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to trade for Devin Booker if he's available, but like with SGA and what they're trying to build, I think that the last guy that they want to fill in that they, they probably want more like a wing size, like lower usage guy than a Devin Booker to fill in with that team. But I, I, I kind of think if, if Booker is the next guy to ask out, which look, we were sitting here saying this about Joel and bead and Giannis mm -hmm. six months ago. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's, now it's, they so both seem fine. Yeah. Like, the yeah. Bucks got Dame and they're winning a ton of games. The Sixers traded Harden and fixed that, and they're winning a ton of games. And Maxi looks great, and blah blah blah. The, the teams have wriggled themselves out of jams before, and <laughs> and I think that I think that Booker the, the the reason the only reason why Booker feels like a unique situation. I guess I'll just ask you, mm -hmm. what odds would you put? on Kevin Durant asking out in the next six months, because that is really where it becomes interesting to me because Kevin Durant just asked for a trade this calendar year, keep in mind, and was traded in trade deadline, last trade deadline to the Suns. Things have gone to shit. He seems unhappy. Woj is talking about him being unhappy. I don't know if that's from another front office or an agent trying to fuck with him or if it's coming directly from Kevin Durant's kid, but he didn't look very happy during that game on Christmas. And I don't that was that was really bad. Like some yeah. of the I didn't watch that game, but I saw the some of the clips out of context looked really fucking bad to me. Like the missing the defensive rotation, like as the game is slipping away and just like not caring. Like yeah. really bad. I mean maybe he was tired. I don't know. You probably watched the game and can tell me if it looked like he was playing hard. I I don't know. But I I don't know like I mean, you should think about it. If you asked me, would I bet on it? I would say, even if Kevin Durant asks out, I don't think they're going to. You know what I'm saying? That's slitting your own throat as a front office. Like, you can't. Because yeah. you're definitely getting back a lot less than you traded for him. You traded a ton for him. Um, it was one of the bigger trade packages of the NBA, as it should have been. Um, nobody's giving that up for him again. You know what I'm saying? And nobody's going to do that so you're taking on like less money like what do you think teams would offer because i think that's like really interesting what if he asked out today if he asked out today like what do you think would be like one of the most competitive offers like a team made heat, for kevin durant the miami heat would definitely offer like hero and a bunch of picks i think but also and would hawkins do you think they'd offer hawkins here, here, I just want to talk about Jaime Hawkins for a second, who is a player I really liked in the draft, is a good, talented player. 
young and look Miami operates like a small market maybe they wouldn't trade him because they're cheap and they don't want to spend money and he's on a rookie contract and he's a starter level player already and maybe he makes them all-star teams I don't know like it's pretty rare that a guy's as good as him as a rookie and doesn't become at least at some point in his career become a part of the conversation even if he's an older rookie I was just gonna say and even if that was like a hospital game on Christmas scoring 30 points on national TV is pretty pretty impressive yeah Yeah. now look If you can put up 30 points on the likes of Marcus Morris Sr. <laughs> and Mo Bamba and the guys that he... No, but in all seriousness, yeah. regardless, as a rookie, to do, to do that is is genuinely impressive. And yeah. uh, I mean, but uh, we, we don't talk about that game. I'm I men in black that from people's memory because uh, Maxi was absolute doo-doo ass. Uh, Isn't it infuriating that they, they fucking keep getting away with it? Like, your, your stars are just bad. God, I fucking hate them. I really well, fucking hate them. Just a little sidebar about the Heat in general. Maxi has always historically played really well against the Heat because they passed on him in the draft and he takes the matchup perf- personally. But they figured, and, and he had a really good game against them last year. Two years ago, he had a breakout game against them. But they 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 present such a unique bad matchup for Maxi when Embiid doesn't play because they have so many big guys that can switch onto the perimeter and like, like Bam could just hang on the perimeter and they have so many like scrappy point of attack guys that can just like mess with you. Like they put Caleb Martin on him early in the game before he got hurt to like mess with them size wise and stuff. And I love Maxi to death, but the problem with his game and the thing that I worry about deeper into the playoffs is the self-creation against a set defense. And he's done it a few times this year where he's looked amazing. Like the Wolves game, he was awesome against one of the best defenses in the NBA. The Celtics game, he had a really good game. The, like he's he's done it. The Heat present a really unique matchup for him in general because he still needs to figure out what to do with guys who are just super athletic that can move and are big on the perimeter and like can kind of lock him up a little bit. So that will be the next step of his game. And it got to his head. Like, I mean, I think you talked about this during the podcast uh, last year during the playoffs where the heat play super physical and they want the refs to, they're going to make the refs call foul on every single play. They fouled him probably five times and he wasn't getting the calls and it Mm -hmm. got in his head. Because he yeah. was like yelling at the refs. He missed multiple free throws, which he never, he missed three free throws. He's a 90% free throw shooter on the season. He missed yeah. three free throws in that game. So I do think that Miami's, I think one of the reasons why their their brand of basketball works so well in the playoffs after watching that game is not only the personnel they have and the coach they have, but also the fact that like you can just foul more in the playoffs and they will, yeah. they're so physical that they'll just be like, all right, whatever, we'll let the refs call it. And if the refs aren't going to call it on every play, it's going to get to guys and it's going to wear them down over the course of a series. Yeah. The, the, the untalented Celtics played that way too. And it's always an infuriating when you're a fan of the more talented team. Yeah. And there's this, these fucking rat mode squads, like just get away with this, like in the playoffs after a, a whole regular season of calling it like totally differently. So yeah. yeah, I mean, that's just classic. Yeah. Classic Miami heat. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, if they would probably trade for Durant, um, they but, would but, up to but, their HGH machine and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But but the Jaime Hawkins thing, I do just want to bring this up. Yeah. They should be willing to, for a player of Durant's magnitude, put a guy like him on the table, sure. Especially when you consider their age 
and all of the things I've talked about with Jimmy Butler, it's not really the way they function though. And then on top of that, I do just want to point out that not even like Duran, at least you could say like, he's already asking for another trade from another team. Mm -hmm. Uh, he hasn't even played a full year with the Suns, and he's 35 and we got to pay him all this money. And even if he helps raise our championship ceiling, we already made it to the finals twice in the last few years. We don't need Kevin Durant in Miami. When they were interested in Donovan Mitchell, who's younger and would probably put them on his list and would sign a long-term extension there in the middle of his prime and is much better than Tyler Hero. That is where it drives me insane, where Bill and Rosillo were like, no, nah, I wouldn't put Hawkes in the deal. What? Who Who are you? Who, who like, Jaime Hawkes is a really nice young player, and maybe, like I said, we'll make some all-star teams at some point. The odds that he even becomes as good as Donovan Mitchell yeah. are low, considering how old he was when he came into the NBA and how hard it is to be an older rookie and make as many all-star teams, all-NBA teams as Donovan Mitchell has made. And Donovan Mitchell fixes the exact issue that Miami has deep into the playoffs. That's what drives yeah. me so insane when, wow. when Bill and Russell are like, oh, I know I never include Hawkins. Like, what are you talking about? I, I love trolling the Lakers because of like the AD trade because they gave up so fucking much and like it was for something that was like at the deadline. But like at the end of the day, like does it really matter that much that they traded like Brandon Ingram and like other shit? Like Brandon Ingram's turned into like a great player, you know what I'm saying? But like the end of the day, great. A, a good a good player. A good player. I mean he's made, he made an, he made one all star team. So he will probably make one. You know what I'm saying? Like he'll Maybe. he, he We'll see. He, he also plays a position of need. You know what I'm saying? There's not a lot sure. of guys who are small forwards, you know, guys who can cook. Yeah, like, I said know, it last night. He's shittier Kevin Durant, which is not an insult because Kevin no. Durant's one of the greatest players of all time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, so, like, I, I, you know, and, and that was a good trade. You know what I'm saying? That's like when people are talking about going out and getting the better player. You know what I'm saying? It's it's those type of trades where you're getting back a genuine all NBA guy who has made multiple all NBA teams like Donovan Mitchell has, you know, like and it's the difference not is in their prime. It's not right. Kevin Durant who's yeah, exactly 35 years old. And like, you took a risk. You knew you were taking a risk when you traded Cam Johnson and bridges and all these picks right. and swaps for them. And part of the reason why I was like, I might've just waited, even though I probably would have done it because it's Kevin fucking Durant was mm -hmm. because I was like, this is everything you've made your final move basically. And I'm just, I'm worried about making those trades when there's no way out on the other end. And one of the reasons why I think I might've underestimated what Daryl Morey has done for the Sixers over the last year is because that flexibility does matter when you, when you consider the contracts that you're taking on in these trades, when I was mad that they weren't interested in Bradley Beal, now I get it. <laughs> like it's yeah. like this is why I don't run a team, and this is why Daryl Morey and the guys that run the Sixers run the Sixers because they were like, "Wait, we think Maxi could be better than him. He's younger than him. He's not on the biggest contract in NBA history." Um, <laughs> and also, now Bradley Beal has one back issue, and it's like, is he going to be okay? Like, is he going to be the same guy moving on from now? So, so that's kind of where, like, I I just think the Suns. Someone said the other day. We're now at a position where I think it might have been uh, our friend Piss in the comments. Yes, that's his <laughs> name. If you're listening, Piss, I think he might have tweeted this. That it was someone tweeted this. We're now at a point where we have to we have to talk about whose future 
is more grim between the Clippers and Suns. And I think it's undoubtedly the Suns unless they can fix this thing in the next six months. Because you have the Booker ask out factor, but you also have... And yes, of course, the Clippers are in a situation where they have three guys that could ask out. But you're still in LA and you still have an yeah. owner that is not fake rich like Matt Ishbia. <laughs> He yeah. is literally one of the richest people to ever live in Steve Ballmer, and he will just spend endlessly as much as he possibly can to keep the team good and relevant. Even with some of the trades they've made, some of the things they've done, they're currently better than the Suns right now, even though I, I didn't really get why they traded for Harden. Kawhi was out again last night, and Harden played great against a not a good team, but he's been much better recently. Right now, I would say that they have a better chance to win the Western Conference. And over the next five years, I would certainly rather be the team that can get a road to cap space and is in Los Angeles, even if they gave up a bunch of picks. It's just like, like they, they have like, you go down the roster, they have like more real players. Like Norm Powell's contract is not good, but he's like a real NBA player. Like um, Russell Westbrook in his bench role is a real NBA player. Like that is genuinely good like at times um mason Plumley, is he out for the season out is there... he's coming back at some point but but also like by the way norm Powell, i don't know i don't know if you saw this but norm Powell is having a career year shooting again because he has a creator like like he's shooting like high 40s on high volume from three like the the, the clippers still had unbelievable depth even yeah. when they were bad like they still even after trading all of their bullshit they traded for james harden they still have a lot of guys who can play like yeah. even deep on the roster there's guys who are like they even have young guys like kobe brown and like you know uh what's his bones, name? Is, bones is on the roster yeah. like yeah. yeah, and like, but like, and I think they're always going to be willing to take because they have deeper pockets than everyone else. They're always going to be willing to take on bigger contracts, even if teams don't want them. And they're going to be willing to have take flyers like they did on Bones. Who look, maybe Bones, I still believe that there's an NBA player somewhere in Bones. Like, I just think he's mm -hmm. too talented to not have some kind of career. But even if that doesn't work out it was such a low risk flyer that they that those are the kind of moves that they're constantly making to refresh refresh the team keep the cupboard stacked so that when guys go down or whatever like like you said like i think they still probably have 11 nba players on their roster the suns yeah. have like four and a half for the second yeah. straight season like it's just it's really hard to make those things work if you're not willing to spend so much on these kind of role player style contracts and Terrence Mann, by the way, having by far the worst year of his career. And I don't expect him to be as bad as he has been to this point since they've traded for Harden. He's shooting like 17% from three or something terrible. Yeah. He's been real bad. I don't expect him to be that bad. And if he is, I don't know, maybe they trade him for another guy that's on a longer term contract. Like they did a few years ago when they traded for Robert Covington and Norm Powell. They also, I just forgot. So this is a perfect, this is a perfectly good example of the other reason they're not fucked. They got like Daniel Tice for fucking nothing. Who's yeah. like not, you know, obviously overmatched just a starter in the fucking Eastern conference finals, but like as a, a rotation, fucking, big, as a rotation, big is awesome. You know, and that's, that's the difference to me is like, yeah. you know, the Clippers, even if like their guys like walk away, they still have these rotation pieces and this other stuff. Like it's, <laughs> I can feel myself getting pulled back in where I keep saying like, well, you know, anyone can kind of win the West. And I keep like looking at the Clippers, like 
they're talking to me like the Green Goblin mask. Like, well, if Kawhi is healthy, you know, if Kawhi is healthy, missed three, he's missed three games after starting all of the first like twenty four. I just, it, it is like they really didn't give up that much for James Harden. You know what I'm saying? Batum's like, the only true. good player they gave up. Like, yeah, I mean, Covington's like a, is barely in a rotation, and Sixers fans. Uh, they're mostly trolling me at this point, I think, where they're like, oh, yeah. Mook is him. And then I'm like, you guys don't. He's shooting 50% from three. And, he, and he's at best a neutral because he can't move on defense. Yeah. And he was absolutely terrible in the games without Embiid. I, I got to say, it was like very, um, as a Celtics fan, it was like very um, uncanny to see like Spike Eskin tweeting about like Flask Dad. And it's like, just I, like, I just had like, like Vietnam flashbacks to like 2017 where we're all just like happy and like enjoying riffs, man is posting all this awesome shit. It's like, it's like, it's like before the war, like it was like pictures of that yeah. picture of world war two no. bet, like where he's like happy and like before the that's war. a perfect comp because I said the other day that the 2021 season is a, it, that is the season that Celtics fans talk about like it was a war because it was the only season that Jason Tatum didn't have three or four other starters on the team that were all star <laughs> level. <laughs> so, oh, remember Rock, when we went? Remember when we went five hundred? Oh yeah. my god, the horror! The horror. Oh, we were in the plan. It was awful. I, yeah, Pistons fans can't imagine what it's like to have your hopes up. I'd have them dashed like this. Perfect no, transition. No, yeah, no, no Pistons, no Pistons fans would trade with us for, for the horrible oh, things that are going on. Unbelievable. Yeah. Mook, Mook is currently shooting 48.9% from the field, 50% from three, hundred percent from the line, and is like one of the worst defenders in the NBA. And the second that his shot comes back down to like 40% from three. He's going to be a negative. I mean, they're trading him at the deadline, so I don't really care. But right. the fact is, the Clippers, the what the Clippers gave up, Batum, a first round, the, the first round pick, on the court this season, they really just swapped Harden for Batum because Covington didn't play for him that much. Morris was out of their rotation. And now I get, now I see. I, I feel like with yeah. It's funny. I feel like uh, with the Harden thing, and and it is the regular season, so like I'm not going to over-index him having an insane game against the Hornets, like he does yeah. every single year. But he's looked just from the eye test. I think he's looked a lot, a lot burstier, a lot like uh, he he try he's trying harder on defense. He's moving the ball more on offense. He's shooting off the catch more on offense. Like I think they've gotten the idealized version of James Harden that I would have hoped for if he had stayed on the Sixers this season in Nick Nurse's system. So it's, it's worked out for them so far. And I, I mean, you always have the playoffs. Maybe, maybe the hardened skeptics get the last laugh, but I, mm. I just, I, I I'm definitely, it's definitely hit a higher end outcome than I had expected. It's same. I, I didn't like the trade for the Clippers and it seems like, you know, even for this season, honestly, like Harden could kind of shit himself in the playoffs. And if like, he can just buoy them to like a, if they can get to like a top four seed, I that feel was a his lot job. better about them the West. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like that's, I feel a lot better. That's worth the first round pick, even if it ends up being absurdly high. You know what I'm saying? Like who fucking cares at this point? You're already some cost fallacy. You know what I'm saying? Like you're already in this deep, like why not? Yeah. Who so between care? between that and <laughs> I realize that's the opposite of what the sunk cost fallacy is. But I, no knew what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. 
Yeah. I was going to say, between that and the Cade yeah. Cunningham renaissance in Detroit right now, mm. I'm starting to feel like Danny DeVito when It's Always Sunny yeah. when he sees the light and he starts to get it. Yeah. yeah. Last night was the first game I watched Cade Cunningham. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I've been rooting for the Pistons for like two weeks. I did, I did not want them to break this single game losing streak record because it's just it's just so brutal. But if I were a Pistons fan coming out of last night, I wouldn't give a fuck about the streak at all because that was what you've always wanted from Cade Cunningham. Like, mm -hmm. I know that he had a good game against the Hawks last week. I, I, I'm to the point where I think Hawks games and Pacers games this season, the stats almost shouldn't count because those defenses <laughs> yeah. are so bad. Exhibition <laughs> games. Yeah, yeah. there should be like yeah. in-season tournament games where they get scrubbed from like, they don't count for like like points or anything like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, all right, cool. He did it against the Hawks. Great. Yeah. The Nets, I know the Nets don't have a great defense this year. They have good defensive personnel. Yeah. And he was cooking whoever, whatever they did. He they they were putting two on the ball. He was figuring it out. He was cooking guys in isolation. He was getting to the rim, getting to the line. I feel like ball don't stop right now. But mm -hmm. in the first half, it was once again kind of a uh, Cade's kind of floating in and out of the game. And when they needed him to be the dude, he put the team on his back and he carried them. And I think that some of the Cade people that have been telling me and and yelling at me about this might have been right in that giving him a little bit more space and giving him a, a less responsibility throughout the course of a game where you can move him off the ball a little bit more, get him into better, more favorable spots. It's worked like his, his efficiency's way up recently. And just by the eye test, he's looked like a completely different player. And part of the reason why, even though the, the losing streak fucking sucks coming out of last night, if they just turn Wiseman, Kevin Knox, and like one of those other shitty rotation spots that they're playing right now into real NBA players, they're not going to be historically bad. Slop. Um, ben Marty put it in the chat, but uh, Herb Cole died. Who? So, the owner, Milwaukee Bucks owner, Herb Cole died. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So I didn't uh, even know who that man was, but. He was a U.S. senator. I think he sold it. He's, he's the guy who like owned the team before the. Um, oh, okay. He yeah, just yeah. sold it recently. Yeah, he sold it to. Well, he sold it to Lazary and um, Edens or whatever. Whoever wow. who is it there? Edens and yeah, yeah, the other guy. I forget the other guy. So he's he's credited for keeping the Bucks in uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. So oh, you know. R I P to the big homie. Oh yeah, R I R I P to. Uh, uh, guy who had a Grinch moment and his heart grew two sizes one day and he kept Milwaukee basketball in there. So no tech. He, he gave us no tech Ben's posts. Let's go. That, yeah. I'm so grateful for, yeah. for that guy. He owned yeah. the team when they drafted Giannis. So yeah, Congrats there you go. Him. Yeah. Huge. So um, yeah, but back to the Kate thing, I'd also like to point out, this is a, this was the first game in a while. He had Jalen Duran. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Jalen yeah, Durant like, was back in the lineup. Was back. Um, I, I, that's probably not a, um, probably not a, a coincidence that he's suddenly looking good when there's another good player to <laughs> do something on the court. Sure. Some of the stuff, you know, like so. I, I mean, we've always said we we've never been anti Cade. It's just like we, everyone's got to chill out. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you when know, the guy he, tweeted last night that he would be an MVP candidate. 
I was like, yeah, we just can't be ever be normal about. Yeah, we, you just can't be normal about. Can't, like, just can't, can't be normal. Maybe his destiny is to become like uh, um, loser Jason Tatum, which I mean, like in like a nice way. You know what I'm saying? Like where where he's like he's like the exact opposite of Jason Tatum, where he's like drafted he's in the, the worst possible situation. situation, and he's like pretty good, and like turns it on in these like. Uh, he's a he's a loss merchant. You know what I'm saying? Reputation. Yeah. What's the opposite of a merchant? He's a loss. Uh, you know, you purchaser. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Loss, loss purchaser. Buyer. Buyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where everyone's just got like because they lose so much. Cade just has a you know. Uh, he, he's he's punished Jason Tatum. He's like uh, Jason Tatum's Mister Glass. Where, yeah. uh, from fucking uh, Unbreakable, where <laughs> he received all the bad luck for all the good luck that Jason Tatum had. So, oh man, it's gonna. Yeah, be awesome. I mean, I I think that uh, some of the, the the things that were said could turn out to be true. I, yeah. The 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 shooting has been the thing for me that ha- I've always been waiting for with him. Yeah, I was always told he was a good shooter. Last night and the past few games has really been the first time that I've seen him be able to not only create his own offense and separation, but actually hits the shots. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I that I felt like, look, the, the form looks fine. The only thing that I've said, the reason why I was skeptical last week when we recorded, we talked about, uh, could he become a Chris Middleton type? Whereas was, I was like, Chris Middleton is like an incredible tough shot maker. And I never saw that with Kate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And last night was him creating his own offense, hitting tough shots, making the right plays. And even if it didn't result in a win, it, it does feel absurd that like every team, I don't know if, did you catch this, but the the Nets played all of their guys like playoff minutes. So they didn't lose that game. Like everyone's like the, 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 the Pistons are playing every game like it's game seven, but also their opponents are playing every game like it's game seven. Cause they don't want to be the team that has the record broken. We need more of this shit. They, they need to be more gimmicks in the NBA. Yes. Is what I'm understanding to like get through like that we're gonna play all these tournament. Stupid, yeah, if we're gonna have all these stupid games, they should um they should put the fucking championship belt out there. Yeah. Where like one team has the belt and you like defend the belt, you know, and then if a team beats you, you hand off the belt. Like yeah. Some, someone like the, used to keep track of that, like on online. Like that was awesome. Like like the wolves, the wolves. <laughs> Uh, like they beat the Celtics and then they take the championship belt and exactly. then the Sixers beat them and then they take it like, yeah, right. that, that would actually be a funny gimmick. Cause I do think that, that especially uh, the players that are into wrestling would absolutely love that. But uh, it's what I'm saying. Like that would be fun. they need, they honestly should just lean into like stupid bullshit like that. Cause the regular season is already Mickey mouse. It's already bad. Like I've been on record saying right now, the NBA right now, it's, Besides, besides the Grizzlies, maybe because they just got John Morant back, it's gonna be the same shit in sixty games. I'm sorry, like there's gonna be like two things different, and one of them is gonna be that the Grizzlies yeah. are gonna be better. Yeah. I think by the, this point of the season, it's like it's. I th- I think someone said on a podcast the other day when you hit the thirty game mark, it's like the standings pretty much don't change much from that point on. Not a lot changes from that point on outside of like injuries and guys coming back and stuff like that. But right. uh, I just want to say. The last four games, Cade Cunningham has played 44 minutes, 39 minutes, 33 minutes, 37 minutes. Oh, no. And as the uh, Bronx, the Nets fan in the comments, points out that uh, if you 
if you watch the game last night, they came out like it was game seven of the finals. <laughs> and then the Nets kind of had to readjust their energy and their minutes. And now the Bucks are actually benefiting from this because the Bucks play the Nets on the second half of a back-to-back tonight. And they're sitting like three of their guys <laughs> because they played so many minutes last night against the Pistons. That's classic Bucks, by the yeah. way, to like inherit that. What a fucking... Yeah, fortuitous. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, uh but uh but yeah the it, it it's just it's incredible that uh that that this is happening um but i, I just from the piston last thing on the pistons here is that i, I do just want to point out that they're interested in some some guys at this deadline and i, I said it before and i say it again i think it would be a massive massive mistake for them to make real win now moves in this season <laughs> because you're are you have two wins yeah. and <laughs> like giving up on a prospect or like all the trades that you could make at this deadline are either going to be available and actually let me read you the list of players they're interested in that sham said oh my god dude i because, i saw tobias which by the way congratulations he, there's a team wants tobias i've yeah. i've been saying i was like yeah. people are like teams would want tobias and i'm like well a, t- a team might want tobias <laughs> and that's really all you need is one team to be yeah interested. right but uh the list of players was og ananobi pascal siakam tobias harris and miles bridges which obviously gross on that last one but the other players that they're talking about here, every one of these players is going to be a free agent this summer. And if they want to go to Detroit because you're willing to pay them way more than any other team, just wait until the off season. Like you can figure out a sign and trade. And, and if, if you, if you can't get to the right amount of cap space and I'm pretty sure they can create a ton of cap space again this yeah. summer anyway, because all their guys are still on rookie contracts. I I look at it like you should you should be waiting until the offseason to do any of these moves. And I've had a few people ask me about the Tobias thing. I'm going to be honest. Everyone knows I've been saying trade Tobias all season. I don't want him on the Sixers. He's been a little bit better recently, but that's also where Joel Embiid didn't play. I don't really care about that game. Uh, and then the game before awesome he had a good shooting game cool it it doesn't matter to me i know he's not gonna be able to shoot deep into the playoffs i don't think there's anyone on the pistons that i would trade for in general if i were a team that wanted to make a run into the playoffs i think burks has looked not good this season he was the one guy that i was like maybe i think bojan is cooked dude his defense is so bad if you watch that nets game last night and you think bojan can play deep into the playoffs you just don't know ball because he was getting targeted and isolated on every possession on the other. The Nets were just taking turns over and over and over again. His defense is just, it's done, dude. Like he can't stay in front of anyone right now. Uh, I don't really care about the shooting and scoring. If you can't stay in front of anyone in the playoffs, especially if you want to win a buck series or a Celtic series or a heat series, best of luck playing Bojan Bogdanovic in your rotation. I don't think he can play at all. No. And then you're talking about guys like we know Joe Harris is cooked. Uh, Monte Morris hasn't played all season. Like there's no veteran players on that team that you should be like, they can play for my team in the playoffs. Cause there are, there's a, like, 
they haven't played the whole season, but there's a reason why the Pistons have two wins <laughs> right now. And I, I, I just think that it would be a massive mistake for them to make moves to try to win right now when you're not going to win. If they made, if they made any trade where <clears throat> my average age goes up, if they made any trade like that, I would install like a home alone, like booby trap on like Troy Weaver's <laughs> phone, like the paint cans that like hit Joe Pesci in the head, like would, would swing down and like, and, 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 and knock him on the head. If he, if he tried to like do anything like that, like, cause, cause the other thing is you, you paid Monty Williams, like how much $20 million a year? What, what 12, was 12, 12, million. the most of any coach ever, I believe. So you can't fire him. Um, yeah. You, you extended Trey Weaver last season. Like he's also uh, can't really get fired. So like, you're just kind of running out the clock on this like brain trust right now. And the problem is that means that brain trust is going to be presiding over who gets extended and like what gets done with your draft picks here in the like upcoming thing. So there is just, it's really bad, man. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's 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 bleak. I mean, they do have like talent, and they have young guys who could like come into their own and everything like that. But I just I feel like this is going to get ruined as it goes along. Like I think right now, if the Pistons didn't do anything, I think there's still hope for this team eventually being good if yeah. you like make the right moves around the edges. Like you do have Jalen Duran, you do have Cade Cunningham, you do have a Sar Thompson. I think all of these guys are good-ish players. You know, Ivy but didn't I have a good shooting know. game last night, but he he played well. Like I, yeah. I don't think that they, I don't think that they're they have no talent. It's just it's really hard in the modern NBA when all of your older guys have deficiencies on one end of the court. You're playing James Wiseman and Kevin Knox real minutes, <laughs> and yeah. then all of your best players are 21 and 22. Yeah, and it's just it, yeah. I, I but I I also just think Troy Weaver is going to do something else awful like between don't, now don't and let like, him do it <laughs> like that's what i'm saying like he's gonna try to trade jade ivy for jalen green like don't let him do that like yeah. yeah yeah because of uh because because he liked him in the draft two and a half years ago despite the fact that he's done uh, nothing yeah. in the nba like it, it just be patient don't make any panic moves yeah T you could take flyers on guys fine like if there are contracts that need to be moved from other player from other teams that are yeah. trying to like duck the tax and you just want to add a competent role player to your team, especially if it's expiring one, sure. If they if the Sixers are engaging in any sort of trade with the Pistons from the Sixers perspective, I only want to do that if there's a third team involved, or if they really are dumb enough to be like, yeah, we'll give you IV in a first round pick in 2028 for, cause they can't trade any first in 24, 25, 26 or 27. But if they were dumb enough to be like, we'll give you IV in a first, I would definitely consider it just to flip it to another team and get back better role players. But like, I'm not taking anyone from the Pistons right now. I think that I actually think if you put Tobias Harris, who has driven me insane and I, want the Sixers to trade if you put Tobias Harris on the Pistons right now he would be battling with Cade Cunningham for the best player currently <laughs> like, <laughs> like and and maybe Jalen Duran when he's healthy sure but like that's how bleak their situation is right now that like a guy that's the fifth best player on the Sixers the sixth best player on the Sixers it would be not considered one of uh it would be considered one of the best players on their team currently obviously 
you probably still give the nod to one of the younger guys, but still it's, it's, it's just a, it, like I said, it's a bleak situation. And like, I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm trying not to like just yeah. replace Wiseman and, and Kevin Knox in the rotation. Try to try to take low risk moves for the rest of the season, yeah. readdress it in the off season, see what you I, can do in the draft, see what you can do with trades I, and figure it out later. Can I say something? I really don't think, this situation is that bleak if you get rid of Troy Weaver or yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, that's the the problem. The, the problem is not, this is not unsalvageable as is right now. Like it hasn't been good. Like you, you blew the Killian Hayes pick. That was actually a fine pick. I actually really like that pick on draft night, getting Killian Hayes at seven. Like you haven't done too much. That's like really dumb. You know what I'm saying? Like you, it's just the, it's just the wise Jeremy Grant trade. Like it's you know, just like, the Wiseman and the obsession with the second draft guys that has really yeah. been his downfall. And, and and it's not even like you, you know what I'm saying. Like what are you really losing there? Like you might have cost your guys some development. You know what I'm saying? But you, you can fix this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's really it's not as bleak as the fucking Suns or well, some of I mean, other teams. Like you know, the Suns I, still have Devin Booker. Like for I'll, now. I, I I don't know. I that's pretty bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, there not... was a tweet from 2021 that was, "Would you rather be in the Pistons situation or the Bucks situation?" Yeah, I don't know if you saw that. I felt I bad for that guy because everyone was piling on him, and then I was like, "You, this guy's already lost the argument." Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's pretty. Yeah. It, the Bucks won the title like four months after this tweet. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think that that argument is really has a ton of relevancy in 2024. No, and by the way, he might have been cooking. Talk talk after this year. Let's let's talk soon. You know, like let's see, let's see. Yeah, I, as <laughs> I said, to keep that up. Championships. Yeah. There's no honor in winning championships. There's only honor in rooting for a team that loses 27 straight games and not giving up. That's true. Yeah, the, uh, uh, unironically, as I say, all the Pistons fans have been purified by the sanctity of losing. You know what I'm saying? Like exactly, nothing makes your fan base better than like losing a lot of games. Trust me, the Patriots fans are the worst fan base in um, professional sports, and we're watching them like die off like mosquitoes in winter. It's awesome. Like, I, you need you need bad seasons to get rid of your teams, and the Pistons have been bad for twenty years, so it's fine. It's the same it's thing as time. the Patriots being bad. Yeah, for one season, they're identical, one to one. Sorry. All right. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Um, so you guys said I wouldn't do it. You guys said, um, Sam, where's the low post Christmas special? Um, nobody signed up for the Patreon. So you guys better get on it. Unbelievable. It's, it's finished. I, I'm winning. You guys might be thinking, oh, um, you know, Sam probably because he lost power and like literally couldn't work on it for two weeks. That's why we don't have it. No, no, no. It's, it's done. I just, you know. I can't give it to you guys until we see those those numbers come up. I didn't want I wanted to release it on time honestly, but Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it honestly. Yeah. You yeah. You, you now have the mandate of heaven. Um yeah. and so, uh yeah. It's it's it, I'm definitely not still working on it. I definitely um didn't have to travel for Christmas. It's not it's done, you know. So yep. just yeah. yeah. Um, so, so tell you people and you, you definitely didn't lose your power for uh for four days. Yeah, for five days. I definitely didn't. Um, my power didn't go out while I was working on it, and I didn't lose three days of work. That didn't happen. Oh fuck! So, so it, I don't have to uh, re-record uh, Noah Kahan parody song. I spent three days. Let's go. Like, oh. So sign up. 
for the Patreon or you won't get it. Yes. Uh, you won't get it. The Christmas special in February, folks. Where <laughs> a New Year's Christmas special. A New Year's Christmas special. Casey so says yeah. All right. Thank you guys. Uh we will uh we'll be back soon. But uh enjoy your holiday break if you have one. And if yes. not, um yeah, happy new year. Because we'll, we'll see new you year. we'll see you next week. And it's slop season will be on. Official slop season. Let's get it.